Dave Furman has a degenerative muscular condition. And this condition keeps him from opening doors, buttoning his shirt, or typing on a keyboard. But here's the rub. His condition is not obvious to most of us who watch him. But for Dave's wife, Gloria, this presents some unique challenges, especially when they're together in public. Here's Gloria. I unlocked the car and got Dave in, buckled the seatbelt, got the baby into her car seat, started loading the back of the trunk. And then when I brought the bellhop cart back to the inside of the hotel, there had been some ladies who'd been watching me the whole time. And they started heckling me and said things like, uh, you don't deserve that. You deserve a man who can do these things. Your husband is no good. Why you put up with that? Have you ever been one of those hecklers? I've got to admit, I have, at least in my heart. Because I misunderstand the situation. I misunderstand what's really going on. We're going to talk about disabilities today and how we can be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Stay tuned to Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. You know, for those of us who are Christians, we understand that God is making all things new. And yet we live in a broken world and we face suffering every day. Helen Keller once said, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. And sometimes that suffering is because our bodies don't work well. They don't work the way that we would like them to. And Helen Keller knew this well because she lost her sight and her hearing at a very young age. Over 1 billion people in the world live with a disability, and 20% of the U.S. population is disabled in some way, making it the largest minority group in America. And, you know, disability is not just always something that we're born with. Sometimes it comes on as a surprise through an accident or through an illness. And disability is hard. But when it touches a marriage, it has its own dynamic. Catherine Wolf and her husband Jay found this out. But their lives looked normal. In fact, they were almost star-crossed when they moved to California. She was an aspiring model, and he was in law school, and they were pregnant with their first child. But shortly after their son was born, she was in the kitchen preparing a meal when she experienced a brain stem aneurysm. Now, the thing about aneurysms is that they're usually fatal. Catherine didn't die, although she did spend one year in the hospital and one year in rehab, and that's a long time. And for her husband, Jay, well, this raised a whole new set of questions in their marriage. We didn't know what we were signing up for, <laughs> you know, it's all of us like, wait a minute. I, I, this is what I thought my reality was going to be in my future and my my wife and my, you know, just my whole situation. And um, that was really personified in, in my marriage early on to say, that, um, I, I didn't know this is what our life was going to be. And yet the question becomes, what do I do with that? What does commitment, what does covenant look like, even if it looks different than I thought it would look?
you know, there was a lot of loss that was made very apparent in that. You know, who are who are we now together? We're very different. And there was a real relearning who this spouse was that um, if we're one, like who and how can we come back together? You know, in every sense of that. And, and it really, there was a, a long process, I think, of relearning who Catherine was and who I was. Jay Wolf talking about his marriage to Catherine and all that they had to overcome. Now put yourself in his shoes. That had to have been difficult, right? I mean, after all, you had this this wonderful marriage and then all of a sudden, your wife was not who she was before when you said those vows. Now, for Catherine, who's had 10 years to process all of this, she sees what God is doing in her life and she also sees that her disability is perhaps a foreshadowing of what we all deal with. Here's Catherine. I have a paralyzed face, and yet who feels beautiful or doesn't have appearance issues, even if they look totally normal? I have a very messed up vocal cord. I can't speak normally. And yet who feels understood all the time, even if they can speak? I have no fine motor coordination in my hand. It makes it very difficult to do a number of tasks, including caring for a child. However, who doesn't have issues with the type of parent they are? The reality is my body is actually a very accurate representation of what we're all feeling on the inside anyway. That's Catherine Wolf, and as Catherine said, We all have disabilities, just some that we can see and some that we can't. Now, what about those who have disabilities that you can't see? What's life like for people with hidden disabilities and their families? Dave and Gloria Furman know this reality well. Dave is a senior pastor of Redeemer Church in Dubai. Over 15 years ago, Dave developed a nerve disease, and that means that he struggles with disability in both arms. There are times that Dave couldn't touch anything. He can't feed himself with a metal fork, can't take a drink, he can't pick up his children, he can't type on a keyboard. Gloria is his wife and his primary caregiver, and in a recent interview with Dennis Rainey and Bob Lapine, Dave and Gloria remember what it was like before this disability. Well, Gloria and I got married 14 years ago, and there's a picture in my office, actually, of the day we got engaged, and I'm actually holding Gloria, picked her up off the ground, and I'm holding her in my arms in Boston, the the moments after we got engaged. And at that point, we got married three months later, and we thought we were going to change the world. We had no idea that a few years into marriage, we would be at a hotel and we would try to be floating down the lazy river of a water park. And I literally got stuck in the inner tube and I couldn't get out because during those first years of marriage, I developed a nerve disability in my arms where I ended up not being able to carry anything, pick up anything, even shake hands, drive. And we went through a number of surgeries, a number of procedures, and nothing seemed to help. What's it called? Well, there's different names for it, but one name is reflex sympathetic dystrophy. Basically, the ulnar nerve in both of my arms, the nerve that connects with your two smaller fingers, just doesn't work. And almost the exact month that we made plans to serve in the Middle East, my nerves just kind of went. 
Uh, we were actually living here in Little Rock, Arkansas. We tried to get all the help we could, and my health just went down further and further and further until we moved over to the Middle East. And one night I was driving the car, and during, during the drive, Gloria had popped in to grab some groceries. And when she came back out, I was literally in tears, not being able to control the car anymore. And that really led me into just a real deep, dark depression. Um, and, uh, and the pain was so severe, we, we really couldn't make it. So, Gloria, you have to drive right. today. Yes, today, every day, all the time, and, and <laughs> every not, trip. Not just drive, but you have to cut food. Yes. You have to open doors. Yes. Carry bags. Yeah. yeah. In fact, you tell the story in the book about bringing some groceries out. You right. pull up. Oh, yeah. In front, with, with, Where was that? Was that Nashville, yes. the Opryland Hotel, wasn't it? <laughs> we were loading the car. I was loading the car, and I had one of those Bellman, Bellhop carts with our suitcases on it, a pack-and-play for a baby um, stroller. I was pushing that and pulling the cart at the same time, and Dave just kind of walked up to the car. I unlocked the car and got Dave in buckled a seatbelt, got the baby into her car seat, and started loading the back of the trunk. And then when I brought the bellhop cart back to the inside of the hotel, there had been some ladies who'd been watching me the whole time. And they started heckling me and said things like, uh, you don't deserve that. You deserve a man who can do these things. Your husband is no good. Why you put up with that? So just heckling me. Uh, I had a moment to collect my thoughts uh, as I put the bellhop cart back and then walked back out toward the car. I, all, all I could say is, he's disabled, and just keep walking. But, Gloria, we go back to your wedding day. This was not, I mean, you said for better or worse. You didn't know this was coming. Right, right, right. I think um, if someone had pressed me and said, when one of you gets sick, what will you do? Oh, of course I will serve. I will gladly serve. <laughs> I will serve with the strength the Lord provides. Um, I just... I don't think I envisioned that as something no, that yeah. was imminent and around the corner and then chronic and ongoing. Yeah. Do you think if somebody had said, uh, I've seen the future, let me tell you what's coming, wow. do you think you would have rethought, I do? I would have had some serious soul searching to do. Am I able to do this? I would have asked myself, can I, can I, can I? And then hopefully, <laughs> Lord willing, the Spirit would assure my soul, um, no, you cannot. Yes. <laughs> With the strength the Lord provides, you can do all of these things that God calls you to do. Have, has there been a time over the last five years as, as you've adjusted to this, has there been a time when you've thought, I, I didn't want this, I didn't sign up for this, why? Why this burden on me? I mean, we're trying to go reach the world for Christ. We should get the easy path, not the hard path. I I think I've I have I have thoughts and questions, and sometimes those questions do tumble around in my mind. But um, I'm assured very quickly because I've seen the grace of God at work in our own lives and in the work of the people who we serve in the Middle East. Um, one particular example that comes to mind is when people come. And they come to our church, and perhaps they've been exposed to Christianity before. Maybe they've seen a preacher on the TV claim crazy things about what godly, holy people get to do because of Jesus' favor on them. And then they come and they see a disabled pastor. Uh, and it doesn't make any sense with their worldview. It doesn't make any sense with the Christianity they thought that they knew. Um, and then Dave gets to minister to those people, and he talks them out of their prosperity cult mm. <laughs> and shares the true gospel with them, um, that just because uh, you follow Jesus doesn't mean you get an easy, physically easy path. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you ever think about suicide? Yeah, I never planned suicide, never thought deeply about it, but I said a thousand times a day, I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead, and I wish I didn't have arms. 
And those thoughts just filled my mind and filled my heart and soul on a regular basis. And that went on for about a year and a half. And so these verses weren't true in my heart. And then about a year and a half in God's kindness, we were were rebuked by some friends, got a hold of um, some good material on on the gospel and applying it to my heart and applying it to my trials. And I began to see a little bit of what Paul's talking about here, that your joy needs to be tied into your identity in Christ and not your ever-changing circumstances, uh, but the one great permanent circumstance that is the gospel, that is our union with Jesus. And finally, a year and a half in, beginning to see that there's more to this life than healthy arms and that I could, in fact, have joy even in pain. You know, Dave and Gloria shared some verses that got them through this time and really got them over the hump of accepting the journey that they were walking and the life that God had given them. And that was Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, which say, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, as I said before, there were times that Dave couldn't touch anything. Just the physical contact on his skin gave him pain that was unbearable. He couldn't hold his wife's hand or stroke her face. And he got depressed. And that was during the time that, as he said, he just wanted to die. But it was during that time that some doctors began to think that Dave would be a great candidate for a surgery that could restore his arms. Here's Dave. Getting ready for the surgery. It was amazing that these Johns Hopkins physicians were actually going to be in Dubai and were going to do surgery in Dubai. And they promised about, I guess, 85% chance of full healing that I would be healed of this disability, be playing tennis in no time. And we go to the hospital on their very last day in Dubai. And we get there about noon. We're there all day long. I'm ready for the surgery. But the problem was, as the day went on, no one was ready for me. So they're hooked up to the IV. Finally, eight, nine hours in, I get wheeled down to the surgery, wait there for about two hours. And then the crushing news came that it was too late in the day. The doctors needed to catch their flight and the surgery was completely canceled. And I remember laying all by myself down um, in the basement outside the operating room. They actually forgot about me for about an hour and left. I remember just letting out this loud scream. I was so discouraged. I placed so much hope that I was going to have arms again, that they had this miraculous surgery and I'd be healed of this nerve disease. And then now that hope was just shattered. And in those moments after that, Gloria stood by my side. Those days of depression afterwards, she just reminded me again and again, very delicately and with a lot of silence interspersed in between, that Jesus was enough, that Jesus was enough to sustain us. Dave Furman reminding us of something that is so key in our lives and something that we easily forget. Jesus is enough to sustain us. You know, Gloria serves Dave selflessly. During one of their visits back to Little Rock, I drove them from the airport to our offices, and she opened the door for him. She buckled him into a seat in the car and attended to his every need. Their life is a difficult life, and maybe that's the life you're experiencing right now, or maybe it's the life of someone you know. Unexpected circumstances that have washed you over like a hurricane, and the pounding may seem unrelenting. But as Dave said, Jesus is enough. He's always enough to sustain you. 
He is our safe harbor from the storm, isn't he? Hey, we need to take a break, but when I come back, my good friend Jilly Dinker is going to join me, and she's going to talk about her experience in life with a disability, cerebral palsy. Stay tuned. Want to win the favor of your family? Try love and faithfulness. For family life blended, here's Ron Deal. In Proverbs, the Bible tells us that one way to win friends and influence people is to let love and faithfulness never leave you. In other words, act in loving ways and be worthy of the trust of those around you. Now let me make this practical for you. Husbands and wives in love can make small sacrifices for each other. And step-parents can tell their stepchildren how grateful they are for them. And in faithfulness, family members can keep their promise to respect one another. Living like this earns you what Proverbs calls a good name. Now, when your family thinks of you in positive terms like that, you're well on your way to a healthy family. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal. To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com. I can't move anything. Did the doctor express any hope? I'm pretty sure she's going to come off of the ventilator. And beyond that, hope is discouraged. Sometimes God leads us on very difficult paths. Is God still good whether someone walks again or not? On the Unfavorable Odds podcast, Kim Anthony talks with guests who have faced extraordinarily difficult circumstances. That was really the last meaningful conversation I'd ever had with my three-year-old child. How should we respond when the events of life leave us despairing? Lord, please let me go home to heaven to be with you now. I cannot do this. In the midst of our despair, there is still strength and hope found in Jesus. I heard that my worst nightmare had occurred, and it was so surprising to me what came out of my mouth. You can find the Unfavorable Odds podcast with Kim Anthony wherever you get your podcasts or go to familylife.com slash podcasts. Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Today, we've been talking about the difficulty of living with a disability, and we heard about the complexities that Catherine Wolf and Dave Furman deal with on a daily basis. But both Catherine and Dave's disabilities came on when they were adults. So I wanted to take a few minutes and find out how different it might be to have a disability from birth. And a friend of mine and coworker here at Family Life has lived with cerebral palsy from infancy, but she doesn't let that define her. I'm talking about Julie Dinker, who is a producer here. She oversees the production for Family Life Blended with Ron Deal, and she would define herself, and maybe I should just let her talk, but as I see, she defines herself as somebody who has perseverance and also daily dependence on God. Julie, welcome to Family Life This Week. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. So, Julie, can you quickly tell us your story? Sure. Um, 
I was born 10 weeks early and only weighed two pounds when I was born. Oh, wow. That's and tiny. Yeah, yeah. It was very little. Um, spent two months in an incubator uh, at a preview center in Illinois and was diagnosed with CP, cerebral palsy, when I couldn't walk, when kids are supposed to be able to walk. And, um, you know, the, to my parents' credit, they never said no to me doing anything physical, mm-hmm. which took a lot of courage on their parts because the CP affected my lower extremities and my waist and um, some in my upper body, but not as much. And so they they really encouraged a, a, a can-do spirit. And I've had three surgeries that have helped in different ways um, when I was a kid. Um, but living with cerebral palsy is is definitely different as an adult versus as a kid. Mm. Um, and, 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 and there's blessing and there's challenges. Uh-huh. Um, so because my parents never said no to anything physical, I learned how to ride a two-wheel bike. I, I played kickball. I played football. I played basketball. I, I did a lot of different things, um, which helped build confidence. But but it was still always apparent. It was it was still always that you had uh, yeah. something. Now I know you are a big basketball fan. In fact, don't bother Julie during March. You know March Madness. Julie is is basically gone. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, very true. And I know that you used to love playing basketball. Yes. So as life as you got older and the spasticity started to wear away or you weren't able to do what you used to do because right. your body was was just aging, the fact of life. Right. Did you sit there and either go why God or please heal me? I don't I don't know that I've spent a lot of my life asking God why. Early in my walk with the Lord, I came to understand that he is sovereign and that nothing comes into my life that doesn't first go mm. through his hand. Mm-hmm. And I think about John 9 and, you know, the man who was born blind and trying to attribute sin to either him or his parents. And and the response, Jesus' response was, this is for the glory of God. And um, we live in a fallen world that has pain and suffering, and it's hard And whether it's cerebral palsy or alcoholism or conflict that's not resolved in a in a relationship, it's hard. And so, I mean, would I like to be healed? Have I prayed to be healed? Yeah, but it's not it's not my focus. Mm. um, In that, God is God, and He sees the whole picture, and I just see a thread of the tapestry. A day at a time. One of your focus points also is the fact that you encourage so many people because you are a prayer warrior. And I thank you and I thank God for how he has created you. Well, I, I appreciate your, your encouraging words. I think one of the things that I realized probably 10 years ago or so was as I'm able to do less physically— I started asking God, what can I, what can I still do? Mm-hmm. How can I be of service to you? And how can you use me? And the reality is, is prayer is something everyone can do. Yeah. And it's an incredible privilege. It's a lot of hard work. Um, it's just, I love it. The more I do it, the more I want to do it. And um, 
you know, it, it comes back to the relationship with who God is, because mm-hmm. it's not just doing, if you know what I mean. Oh, yes. Um, I love praying for my family. They live hundreds of miles away, and I know God loves them more than I do. And so the most I can do is pray for them. The most I can do is pray for my friends and those even that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll read the newspaper, and I'll see a tragic story, and I'll just, I'll just say, okay, Lord, I pray for this person. And I, I, I think probably that's going to be something that he's going to continue to develop in my life um, because I, I think that it's going to become more challenging physically. I mean, I'm doing everything I can right now with riding bike and doing water aerobics and just giving myself an opportunity to move mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and be able, as able-bodied as possible. But the reality is, is that I'm starting to feel things in joints that I've never felt before and right. different things. And that's, that's just part of wear and tear. Mm-hmm. But it's neat how you said it, and I think you've probably said it best, is the more you are building these spiritual disciplines, and for you it's prayer, the more you want to do it. And so while your body is slowly decaying, like all of ours does, but you feel you mm-hmm. feel the decay more than I do. Right. And yet God is is building other things into you that is incredible. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for how you live your life, Julie, and thank you for joining me today and, and, and helping all of us understand just what day-to-day is like for you. Well, I, I appreciate your, the opportunity to be on, and um, all I can say is all praise to God. Most definitely, all praise to God. Thanks, Julie. Well, I hope that what you've heard today has been encouraging to you. I know it's opened my eyes to some things and helped me understand better. Hey, you're probably familiar, or maybe you're not, but the phrase approved workmen, not ashamed, or maybe the song, we are sparks for Jesus, sparks to light the world. Well, next week, we're going to talk with Larry Fowler about Awana and also memorizing scripture. So you'll want to tune in for that. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, and the co-founders, Dennis and Barbara Rainey, along with our station partners around the country. A big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch, to our producers, Phil Krause and Marcus Holt. Justin Adams is our mastering engineer and Megan Martin, our production coordinator, who is not coordinating today because she's at the zoo with her daughter, Abby, doing the things that all moms like to do. Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week. This Week.